Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Caught offside. With Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Um, I'm really good, Andrew. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm always excited about the podcast, but I'm excited about this one. Um, in case people thought we'd, we hadn't paid our dues to the late, great John Matson, we're going to do that a little bit later. Yeah. We've got a things I saw on the internet that I think is pretty funny. We're going to do that later. But I want to start with you and a friend of ours and you possibly giving him one of the dullest slash worst, in your case, afternoons out in the city, in this fair city of ours that could possibly have been given. Yeah, I was all excited today. I uh, had a, a rare day off from work. And I thought, you know what? My, my kids are in school. My wife's at work. Got nothing really going on. Tottenham midweek FA Cup. I'm gonna yeah. take the train into the city. Hit that's the Flannery's. So, that's so spontaneous for you. Yeah. It's really not like you. Well, it used to be. Yeah, it used. To I be. mean, when I was younger, when I first moved to New York, I felt like I was going in. You know, when I lived in Queens, I felt like every weekend I was, I was doing this. But now it's just different. I've moved to the suburbs. I have kids, family. Like it's just harder. But today was like one of those days where it all kind of aligned, where everyone else right. was out, and I was like, yeah. Let's do this. I'm into the like. I, I felt myself very kind of you know into the FA Cup this year. Felt like I don't know. I just feel I can't help but feel that Tottenham are going to win a trophy at some point. It's got to happen, right? And so yeah. I'm kind of like every year as they kind of advance in these tournaments, like oh, maybe maybe it's kind of aligning in a way where maybe this could be and this could be the run. Flannery's is a good spot, banging in 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 the heart of the city. It's uh, yeah. easy know, to get to. Yeah, um, it's a, a good old pub. Usually yeah. serves a, a fairly decent pint of Guinness, it should be said. Yep. Not today. Uh, this was, is, this turned out uh, for Tottenham. We won't go too deep on Tottenham, but I guess because I was there and experienced the atmosphere and all that, um, we'll talk a little about it now. But um, I don't know. It's one of those games, JJ. Sometimes you, you ever have these games in, in soccer or in any sport, really, that you almost... You almost don't know how much the game meant to you until you've lost it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like like various, <laughs> like this FA Cup match for Tottenham on the surface <laughs> of it going in. Like I was excited because, like I said, it was an opportunity for them to maybe win a trophy this season. Um, and like I said, because I just, it was a day for me to kind of just like immerse myself in Spurs with my family all not around. So I was excited for that. But like the game itself on the surface, it's like, I don't know, midweek Sheffield United, like, right. It's not necessarily, it's not necessarily a glamor fixture, but like when it was over and they lost the way they lost, I was just furious. <laughs> like just like when, uh, like when Mourinho's Tottenham lost to Dinamo Zagreb to lo- to get knocked out of the, uh, the Europa that, league, like games like that. It's like, that was your lowest point though. That was in like, his era in his era. Yeah. That was your na- uh, Nadir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, during the Mourinho years, which was a rough set of years, 
Um, that was the low point of it. But yeah, it's just one of those games where I'm just like going in. I was like, okay, this this will be fun. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I'm excited. And then it ends, and you're like, wow, I'm actually like, I'm, I'm actually more angry and upset about this than I ever would have imagined I could have been. Uh, and that was today. That was an it was just another one in a long line of these kinds of games for Tottenham um, over the years during this this trophy drought that they're in the midst of, where just like. I don't know. You kind of leave yourself wondering, like, what's the deal, fellas? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're, like you're in this this period where this trophyless period, and like, in terms of this team, this Harry Kane, Youngman's son era of Tottenham, it's like you're not not gonna have too many more chances at it, and you've got a championship team in the in the round of sixteen of this competition, and like, just don't turn up. Just a completely, just the most blah performance, like. Chances just like few and far between, and even mm. that is kind of, I don't know, almost doing it an injustice of just how poor it was. Uh, ugh, just, just terrible, just there, an awful game. I, I think it's so much easier for a supporter to take a beating to anyone in a game where there's ch- you've created chances, there's been great effort port- put forth, and you just come out the wrong side of a result. It's so hard to take when you when there's so little created, when you do so little. And, like, look, Sheffield Sheffield United, Bramall Lane on a Wednesday night with Tottenham in the current form they're in, that's not a gimme. There's no point saying it is. It just isn't. But to to, to turn up and produce nothing, in that fashion is absolutely galling. And the reaction afterwards online on Twitter, because I didn't watch it. I'm like, I was supposed to join you guys in Flannery's. Yeah. And I thought not a good look for you. It was a great look for me. Absolutely worked out spectacularly. No, but you, you committed to come and then 20 minutes before kickoff. Sorry, guys can't make it. That's that's poor friend stuff. Well, actually it's brilliant friend stuff as I'm, I'm doing stuff for our company, you know, it it was company related business that called me away, Andrew. I would have loved a, a creamy pint served from a plastic jar. I would have loved that with you and uh, Sergio Patrick. But um, but yeah, it was just it, it's it's so bad. It's so bad. And and again, the online reaction was much worse. Like the lead in, it wasn't like there was a huge amount of buzz in the lead in about this game. But everything yeah. afterwards was like this. Just compounds. This just sums up. This Tottenham team, crap. Well, it's just very weird because I think earlier in the season I used the term schizophrenic to describe what it is to support this club. Yes, um, and like that's really been encapsulated in the last month of just like beat Manchester City, get smashed a few days later by Leicester City, like you know win two in a row, one of the best performances of the season against Chelsea a few days later hideous performance in the FA Cup against the championship team. It's just like, you know, last season, beat Man City. A few days later, beaten by relegated Burnley. It's like, what? what is that? Like, where are we going? What is the? What is it to support a team that's like this? It's it's crazy. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, but I, 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 like when I read a lot of the, because I can't watch Tottenham every game. And I just don't want to. I don't expect, don't worry. I I got you covered. But but when I look at the beat reporters, uh, uh, Jack Pitbrook, who joined us on the podcast not so long ago, um, Dan Kilpatrick. Like, the general consensus is, like, Tottenham are hard to watch. Yeah, they are. And they're not they're not very good as a, as a footballing team that you want to come and watch. Now, they've stayed in the hunt. We're going over old ground here. But, but today is just one of those inflection points because I think you have to look at everything else that happened in this round of 16. <laughs> and you have to laugh. Grimsby are on their way to the next round. You know, Fleetwood ran a rampant Burnley really, really close. Leicester have been knocked out by Blackburn Rovers. And, there, you know, there's not a ton of powers left in this. No, and I Tottenham, mean, this is, this is the first time. Gonna... This is the first time since 2007-8 when there will be just four Premier League clubs in the quarterfinals of this tournament. And like Tottenham not being in that mix is it's galling. It really is galling. Yeah, and I mean, and it would have been 
Blackburn that they have in the quarterfinals. Like, again, a team that you would expect them to be like, it seemed like a, a road was being paved for them quite nicely into the semifinals of this competition. And they have thrown it away, just thrown it away. Um, now, I guess my only saving grace as a Tottenham fan to kind of like put up my my shield as a fan is that Man City are still in this. And as long as they are, that's just who I expect is going to win. Yeah, but, I know. <laughs> but that that's just me. Like, that's just me telling myself that to to protect myself against my emotions. Yeah, um, it it's, doesn't it's, really. It, it's the fan. It's the fan coping mechanism. Yeah, it's, it's what we all do a little bit of it to a certain extent. But but for me to paint this round of the FA Cup in the way that I am right now is not really doing this justice for the the vast majority of the audience. Most people no. don't care that Tottenham lost. In fact, most people are are probably thrilled that that happened because it's another it's a championship side into the quarterfinals in Sheffield United. Like you said, teaming up with many other non Premier League sides, which is kind of what makes this competition so much fun, and it's it's being typified this year as as great as any other, more than any other year. Yeah, I mean, it is. At this point, yeah, anything is still possible for a lot of the teams, but you do have like the big Sharks, Manchester United, looked like they were on their way out to West Ham and then they pulled it back and won 3-1. Um, so you still got them. As you said, City went to uh, went to Bristol and won against Bristol City uh, yesterday. So, I mean, as long as they're in it, you know, it's, t- it's tough. But, I mean, it is kind of more along the lines of what you want to see these smaller sides from the lower divisions and I say smaller like you know Blackburn are a, a size a sizable championship team but they've been down there for so long now that yeah, we're, I mean, you know um, for them to beat Leicester was, was tremendous and and talking about disappointment and disappointed Tottenham fans Brendan Rodgers generally look crestfallen at that result well yeah, I mean, look, when you're when you've made it to the round of 16 in this competition and you're having a bad season in your domestic league and you're in the Premier League, then like this the importance on a competition like this, it ratchets up because this is kind of your chance to in some way, you know, trick people into thinking that your season maybe is better than it actually is. Like if they if Leicester City makes a run to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, they can lean on that a little bit and say, well, you know, we made a bit of a cup run. Uh, and who knows? Like maybe they get to the semis. Like, you know, so that's it's a way to still kind of bring some joy to the atmosphere around a club in an otherwise dreary season. Uh but when you go out like this, then yeah, like that it it becomes that much more disappointing. Um, as opposed to if they were flying in the league and they go out, it's like, well, you know, okay, we'll go back to the league. We're having a great time there, but it's now it's sort of like, well, what are we left with this? Now we're just playing out the string of matches and probably avoid like, they're just kind of in that nether zone. They're not going to get relegated. They're not in competition to qualify for any of the European league, you know, Europa, Europa conference, whatever. So it's just sort of like the, the blahness of the remainder of the season for them. I would say one thing for, for Leicester though, you know, they, they, they had got into a little, a little bit of a run, you know. They'd kind of, they picked their form up a fair bit, and you, and you thought, you know, a cup run, and and even if you do stay in the blah, a cup run can elevate your season so much, and uh, and that's not going to happen now. But well, well done to Tony Mowbray at Blackburn. I mean, could Blackburn be on their way back, Andrew, to the team that they that they want? Well, maybe not the team that they once were. That's not going to happen. But you know, maybe a nice little cup run. Uh, finish as high as they possibly can in the league. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we see a, a turnaround there for them. Yeah, who knows? Um, I mean, in the end, the things that really stood out to me from this uh, from this round of the FA Cup, obviously, the goal that was scored by Njai, uh against Spurs, great goal uh, from Sheffield. It was a great goal. Um, edge of the box, kind of deep through a couple men. I don't know, just like Davidson Sanchez, not great defending ball kind of slips through Eric Dyer on the way to Fraser Forster getting a foot on it but it just like it was just one of those like seeing eyeballs that made its way through a number of bodies uh after some hard work to get it through it was a great a great moment for Sheffield United I mean honestly like that place exploded uh as you would expect that was really you know putting my my loyalties aside that was a cool like you can recognize a cool moment and that certainly was one a dramatic moment at that um and especially at the what's the noted end I think they call it the cop end at Bramall Lane as well, where like most of the raw, raucous hardcore support is to score there. I think Billy Sharp was talking about it in the last round that it's always a bigger buzz, and they certainly made noise. 
And I'm happy for them. I know. Sure. Yeah. G- great. Like I've, why? <laughs> I've a bit. I've, I've got no feeling one way or another about that team. I've I've a fondness for them. Oh, g- going back to when Saturday comes. Have you? I, did you ever take me up on that recommendation to watch? That I don't film? remember ever being told anything about this. So it's imagine if like it's almost like a Disney style story. So Sean Bean from Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. many other uh, great cinematic and and uh, TV shows. Uh, Sean Bean plays a guy who's. He's just a, a Sunday league footballer, but he's a very good Sunday league footballer, right? And he goes to the pub after games. Uh, you know, he works in a local factory and he gets the chance to go on trial with Sheffield United. But can he overcome his fears, his self-doubt, the doubts of the rest of the community, his father's doubts to rise and, and come on and play for Sheffield United? Spoiler alert, he does. And he scores a penalty against Manchester United. And they, I, I think what they did for it was they, fill, they filled Bramall Lane for it, for mm. the filming of it. Um, it's cheesy, corny, very kind of symptomatic of, of, of a mid-90s British film. But people should watch it. When Saturday comes with Sean Bean. And I think that's where my, where my... And they used real Sheffield United players at the training sessions and stuff. Um, it sounds in, a lot like goal. It, it is like goal, except northern. Northern goal. Instead of the sun-kissed Mexican making his way to Newcastle, it's a grimy northerner playing for Sheffield United. Interesting. Well, if it, if I somehow come across it, I don't know uh, where. No, don't say that. You're not going to come across it in your. So what bland... am I supposed to do? Go, go you want me to write at... to the director? No, go and watch it. It's available on streaming services. Where? The interwebs or your Roku device. <laughs> Uh, I want to look for it. All right. I want right. everyone to watch it and then and then give me a review when I'll Saturday comes. Other things that stood out to me from this round of the FA Cup, uh, Fulham continue oh. to validate this incredible season they're having with uh, just an unbelievable goal from Jao Paulina. Uh I don't know how many yards out that was on a yeah, – I forget who it was. I think it was Max Bretos who we actually just had on the pod who talked about how it was Tyler Adams who gave that ball away. It was a bad uh, pass. A bad pass from Adams, um, which does – it should be noted that that is what led to the goal. But Max Bretos, he it was important to point out usually giveaways aren't – giveaways like that aren't necessarily punished in that sort of way. Uh, like it's a it's a giveaway that sort of happens a lot. You don't usually see it. And the way that this one did, it, it compounds the mistake from Adams in just spectacular fashion from Paulina. Um, I know you tweeted about it, and I, I responded to you that if if Emmy Buendia's goal last week was your goal of the season, that what what do we even do with this? Do we just hand him the puskus? Like where where do we go from here? Well, can we can we break it down so that that okay, you're dead right in saying if you lose a ball there, thirty five yards out, forty yards out, it it should not automatically be a goal. Right. This wasn't necessarily one of those classic when playing it out from the back goes wrong, where you've just like you've given it away and now you've just handed the opponent a goal like this. Like, yeah, he gave it away in a not great spot, but didn't expect it to to go quite the way that it did for for poor Tyler. But what I loved about the goal and the strike was he's he's not hit it with the laces. He's whipped it round with the, the inside of his foot, like a really aggressive high pass. And uh, someone tweeted us, if Messier was back on his line, would he have got to it? No. He's not getting, no one's no, getting I mean, to it. That. hit off the inside of the post. It was an absolute beaut. And um, I must give Mitre credit because they've gone back to the old style, old style design of their ball with the Vs on it. Oh, so when yeah. that was that was moving in the air, that reminded me of goals of yore, like mm. Gascoigne against uh, Arsenal in the FA Cup semi-final. He's going to have a crack, you know. Um, and... Uh, and it was an amazing goal. And then you got on me, though. And I didn't enjoy it. Oh, because... I'm sorry. That's sad. <laughs> what was your point again? Your your point was basically... That this you, goal if you, blew if you the Buendia Bundi... goal out of the water. What's that? That this goal blew the Buendia goal out of the water, but you've, you've now staked your claim to an ordinary goal for your goal of the season. And so what do you do now? No. A I... lot of goals better than that are going to happen. And what, what do you do about it? But it's like if I took you to Pantera... And you really enjoy Pantera, but and and but you know I say, oh Andrew, you enjoy Pantera. What are you going to think of Bjork? You know, it's two different genres of music, totally different. Enjoy- what the hell does that even mean? 
it's two goal different- of the season is goal of the season. The best goal that you that can be scored in a season. It's more like if you, I'm trying to think of like the most, I don't know, of all like the Beatles songs. If you said their most average song was your favorite one. And then, but like, but then here comes like Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane and whatever, like other classics from them. And like, well, what what do you say about those ones now? No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's almost a flawed concept, the goal of the season, because there's so many different oh, types yeah. of look, goal. He's a, look at him, everyone. Look at him. He's a master of trying to, of talking it back. It's, this it's is artwork, just, what you're just witnessing for me, here. It's, it, it's two different types of goal. The, the, the curling blaster that we saw versus the, the finesse, the cuteness, the closing of the hips, which I keep going on about, and then the brilliant finish. Like they are different genres of goal. So maybe, maybe I was wrong uh, to go as far as to say it was my goal of the season. I do feel that though. I, I just love that goal, type of goal so much. But you're into other goals. We've had this disagreement before. What's your favorite type of goal? Is it um, a guy who beats five, six, seven players, goes around the keeper and slots at home? I think I've settled on that. You've settled I think on the ma- that. I think watching watching the tension build as that is happening right as the crowd kind of all stand when they when the first couple guys are beaten and the you see the crowd stand cuz everyone is starting to realize wait a minute this is could, on we could be witnessing something here and it builds and builds and builds until you know the last man is beaten and the keeper is beaten and then it, it's an eruption i think that is because of the role the crowd plays in a goal like that I think that is I think I've settled on that being my favorite. It's not always the most aesthetically pleasing, like a like like a Benjamin Pavard goal from the twenty eighteen yes. World Cup. Oof. Like to to watch that is just like magic. Or even like what was it? Was it last year in the Champions League? Tiago's goal for Liverpool yeah. that just like hovers above the ground. Like <laughs> like stuff like that is when you slow them down, those might be more aesthetically pleasing, but the the buildup of a of a long, mazy run. Sun against Burnley, stuff like that. Uh, that's, you know, I think that's my favorite. Do you know what's not aesthetically pleasing is the XG from this game. Which game? From this game, Fulham Leeds. Oh. <laughs> Fulham 0.19, Leeds 1.53. Let's not pretend Leeds did not have chances in this game. Yeah. There were some very good chances. Uh, Nanto had a good one that was saved. Uh, there was a shot across the box. And then there was a goal mouth scramble involving Weston McKinney, which was, I think someone described it as Keystone Cop stuff. It was absolute comedy. And I don't know how it didn't go in. There were shins flying, knees flying, heads flying. Desperately unlucky that Leeds didn't get something out of this game. And when I say something, uh, at least be tied with Fulham. The fact that Fulham won 2-0 is, yeah, Le- kind of the story of Leeds for the last year and a half or so. It, it is. And, and, and Javi Gracia, who we should mention, who is now the Leeds United manager, um, finally, after work permits and everything has been sorted out, like he was desperately disappointed at the end of the game. Uh, Leeds brought a great traveling support too to Craven Cottage, as they, well, as they always tend to do. But um, Andrew, if they don't sort this out, this, I know they won. Uh, at the weekend against Southampton, that was an important victory, but this can't go on. They need to figure something out up front, and and I don't know what they do. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Um, they're going to have to just... They're 17th right now. Um, they're going to have to just kind of hope that they're the least, ba- the least bad of the bad teams, if yeah. that makes sense. Um which in this year is certainly possible. I mean, look, they they made some really significant moves in the January window that have yet to really, um, really take shape. I don't know exactly the sort of impact that Weston McKinney has made so far. Um, the one, the the one signing that I thought, you know, c- considering the price tag on it, the um, the Jorginho Ruter signing has really done nothing. So far, yeah, um, nothing yet. So, I mean, he's made a couple cameo appearances, but not much beyond that. Um, but I thought, like, I thought, honestly, for me, it's everything not everything about Leeds, but there has been good, good parts to Leeds play at times. And it wasn't like it was woeful or all awful, or they were completely out of games under Jesse Marsh, but like, not having a fellow who can convert and put the ball in the net is just absolutely killing them. And they need Banford to go on some kind of a run. Yeah. 
And I I don't know if it's in him. Like, he was never prolific at this level. But you thought when they came up from the championship, his first season in the championship, he put enough goals together to, to think that there's a reason for confidence there. And I know injuries have impacted him a lot, but if they don't find goals somewhere, Andrew, they are. They're gone. He's a total shell of what he was that season. He, no, is. he is. It's only fitting that this has become like a, an American team uh, with Aronson and Adams and, and McKinney because it seems like the, the problems of the U.S. men's national team are so mirrored in this Leeds team where they just have that gaping hole right now at that number nine position where they, you know, whatever good work is going on behind that, they there's no cutting edge at the end of it. Um, no, it's, and it's true. There it's is. killing them. It's yeah, killing there's them. something there. All right, Andrew. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um couple other things. Uh, Phil Foden scored twice for Manchester City in their 3-0 win over Bristol City. Obviously, Man City beating Bristol City is not a story unto itself, but Phil Foden getting a couple goals I thought was a little noteworthy because for a player um, who I feel like is he's kind of been living on this cusp of breaking out into being one of the next great stars of this league, and maybe people consider him to be that, but by his own admission, uh, he said, I forget the exact quote, but something to the effect of, I've been having you know the worst time of my career. Um and so the, this two goal performance in the in the FA Cup seems like it could be a notable um, a notable achievement for him to maybe get things back on track to maybe have Pep believe in him a little bit more again and and turn to him um, a little bit more than he's possibly had to. Uh, we'll see. Just it was a player that for Man City I had almost not forgotten about, but he just he was kind of receding into the background in a way that I think I I just hadn't expected this season. So to see him burst back out score a couple uh, in a big game, potentially important for him and the team. Uh, yeah. As someone, and someone who's not, uh, not shying away from, from the, from putting in performances himself, the manager in his post-match uh, performance was, it's as if he's visited Manchester city subreddits and supporter sites because he was, yeah, he was pouring on a little salt, having a little bit of fun. I didn't hate it, but it, you know, a couple of days after Manchester, like literally 48 hours after Manchester United win their first trophy in a while, he's going on about, uh, we went over to con- congratulate our supporter. And uh, he started he started uh, praising Man City supporters. And he goes, uh, you know, they, they, ha- they have to travel from Manchester, which is, uh, they come all the way from Manchester. They don't get to come from other, pla- which, other places, which was kind of one of the great slags of Manchester United supporters is that they come from everywhere except Manchester. You know, Milton <laughs> Keynes, Birmingham, like all over the place. Now that's, all joking aside, that's partly to do with them being the Dallas Cowboys at one point. Like you'll have Dallas right. Cowboys fans in Michigan, New Jersey, everywhere. Yeah, Liverpool fans too. When you're very successful, that happens. But it doesn't happen when you're Manchester City or has only happened now in the last five, six years since they've been super successful. So I thought, I actually kind of laughed at what Pep was saying there. He was putting it out. Very aware lately, very prickly and aware of um, of fan culture and things like that. I mean, he had to apologize to Steven Gerrard's family, which I think it was a fulsome and 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 heartfelt apology uh, when he, he, he mentioned... Um, that how city get blamed for everything and and how things that happen it's not all to do with the money or the money that they've allegedly um funneled into the club illegally um and he had to go at Steven Gerrard for slipping against Chelsea which is like one of the great chants of of the past 10 years or so has been that chant and pep channeling it in his post match so um so salty pep yeah salty 
and it sets up a pretty intriguing quarterfinal. Does it? For, for Man- well, Manchester City will welcome Vincent Company back, uh, manager of Burnley, as the two face off against each other. And will they welcome him? I mean, there's been nobody's been more vociferous in his support of what was in support of his legacy at City. Because don't forget, everything that's been said about City and the way they won over the last 10 years affects Vincent to his very core. Um, and he's all, he's in a rare position right now, Andrew. He's gonna he can't lose in this game. He's taking a rampant Burnley back to the Premier League at the first time of asking. He's changed their style of play completely. They are they are not remotely like a Sean Dyche team anymore. He's turned that whole thing around, and he's going back to uh, yeah, he's going back to play Manchester City in a, in an FA Cup quarter final. Yeah, he cannot lose. Yeah. It's uh, it's fascinating uh, to see how that one will will play out and the reception that he'll get. Um, I mean, certainly one of the leaders of this of this generation for Manchester City and all of their success. So certainly we'll have an eye uh, an eye on that. Anything else for you from this uh, round of the FA Cup? No, I, I don't think so. Except uh, we have a uh, in in the other in the other games we have uh, Sheffield United and Blackburn Rovers in the Yorkshire Lancashire Derby kind of game and Brighton and Grimsby. It's yeah, it's kind of interesting. We should say, I mean, we haven't, we've mentioned it, but we haven't really devoted too much time to Grimsby uh, defeating Southampton. Grimsby in the fourth tier, Southampton currently in the top tier, although the operative word being they, currently. They may not be long for this league, Andrew. No, but I mean, for, boy, for that to happen, I mean, just like a, a bad year getting. That like if it could get worse for Southampton, this is just such a cherry on top moment in the worst kind of way. And for and for Brighton and Hove Albion, the other team, one of the other South Coast teams down there to take their not their spot, but to to fill in for them then in the quarterfinals as Brighton continue with their great season is 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 not great either. What is great? Evan Ferguson is back, guys. The ankle seems okay, and he scores the winner. The child our future, the king that was promised. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that, that he scored, good, man. I was so glad because I, I honestly thought Fabinho had done a number on him. 18 uh, years of age. It's And Roberto De Gerbi again saying, Evan Ferguson is a unique talent. He really is. Just what he does, he's... We had this conversation with... Uh, who was it? We had the conversation with about center forwards. Um, and how they're not making center forwards anymore, strikers in the same way that they used to. I think it was Danny Higginbotham. And um, Ferguson is is a striker like like in the old school and, and more. And so I'm just delighted he's back. And, and funny, Andrew, at the end of the month, this new month, we get to play France in a European Championship qualifier. So hmm. timely. Yeah, certainly is. Uh, so that's the round of 16 for the FA Cup. Um, in this midweek, exciting stuff, really, uh, really thrilling stuff. Not at Flannery's, where the mood was quiet and subdued. And tell me, was there many out for it? Um, half full, quarter full. I wouldn't say half. I mean, it's a it's midweek. Uh, it's Tottenham versus Championship side. Um, maybe a little bit tougher to really get up for that one. Um, by the way, which which almost seemed reflected in the lineup that Tottenham put out there, no Kane, uh, you know, and, and no Christian Romero, um, Christian Stellini, who's filling in for Antonio Conte as he continues to be out nursing him, himself back to health. Um, he he defended the lineup basically that they put out there. He said, uh, "I think the team we picked today was fine. The energy was the problem. Uh, if it's not the same as the opponent, you are going to struggle." Mm. I think there's there's truth in that, although it's not. But it should be noted, Sheffield United were not great either. They had a great moment. It was a bad game. Yeah, it was just um, a bad game. Yeah. So I mean, God, like Richarlison, uh, he hasn't had that many opportunities for Tottenham. So I I can't be at like the the bust point yet. That's just like way too premature to do that. But they spent sixty million on him. He hasn't yeah. scored yet in the league. Um, he he has a couple. Champions League goals, but like today, one of his shots, like we saw the quality, the caliber of goal that he could score at the World Cup with Brazil. He had two of the best goals of the tournament. Today, he takes a shot from like the top of the box. It nearly went out for a throw in. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what's going Andrew, on. Andrew, stop yeah. talking about Tottenham things and let's focus on Arsenal in the league as they go five five points clear. Five points clear at the top. Yeah, five points clear. Um, this one felt notable to me, not because they beat Everton. Um, everyone does that. Well, days. they but, don't. Well, I guess that's true. Everton handled them, uh, what was that, a month ago or so? Um it's notable to me because after the the little wobble that Arsenal went through, uh, they've righted themselves. They they've won. I I think it's three straight now. Um, they're five points clear. But the other reason it's notable is because for a long time now, because of the uneven scheduling, uh, it's been hard to know exactly like where Arsenal are in relation to Manchester City. They're finally on the same games played. They've both played twenty five games. And Arsenal have a five-point lead ahead of Manchester City. We know this now. There's no more worrying about the games at hand and what that will mean. Like, we're we're all evened up. And this is the gap. Five points, 25 games played. Um, that's what Arsenal now have the remainder of the season to, to work off of. Uh, yes. And I, I think in this one, Andrew, you say, oh, well, you know, everyone beats Everton. Like, Everton weren't doing that badly for most of that first half. And then with five minutes to go to half time, Arsenal, they just they just seize that moment. It's a really sharp turn uh, between two defenders for Bukayo Saka, who's he's just drifted into that that little gap. It's not even a half space, and he's standing when he receives it. But he turns sharp, and usually we criticise goalkeepers for being beaten at their near post. But I would say in this instance, he's leathered it so close, so fast so high, so hard into the roof of the net that Pickford can't even react. And that's 1-0 Arsenal. And it's absolutely key. It lifts the tension. It lifts the crowd at the Emirates. Everybody can relax a little bit. Now you're going into halftime with a 1-0 lead. And then, Sean Dyche, I was going to say he'll be ripping his hair out. He'll be ripping the skin on his head off with what one of his veteran players, 33-year-old, an international, so experienced, Idrissa Ganagé does, where he just goes into this kind of, we've talked about this very recently on the podcast, the PlayStation mode, where all of a sudden there's like a glitch or someone just slows down. And we've all seen it when we've played FIFA. You're going too slow and the ball's nicked off you. And he's facing, running back towards towards his own goal. I think it's Saka comes in, nicks the ball off his toe. I mean, he should have just played the pass back to Pickford. He just stops. In nips Martinelli, and uh, there was a, a VAR check, all right, but that's 2-0. And at that point, I, I I didn't need to watch anymore. That was it. And that's Arsenal. And as long as they can stay king of those moments, they're going to be right in this to the end. But Everton, again, authors of their own downfall. It's it's not irretrievable at 1-0. Arsenal are big favourites at home, sure, 1-0 up going into half time. But what what um, what happens there to Everton is just... Like, there's no manager in the world can legislate for that. No, um, certainly not. And that team is, they're just not that team that's going to overcome that in the second half. That's just not not what they're going to be able to do. Uh, with Arsenal now, look, it's it's kind of foolish to look at the, the fixtures and kind of make proclamations and determinations off of the way things are going to go. But it it's worth noting, with this five-point lead, the most difficult games that you would probably say they have remaining, all of these away from home, Fulham, Liverpool, City, and Newcastle. Um, so, like, five-point lead, that's significant. It's a cushion. They can lose a game and still be okay. Uh, but, I don't know, this title race is not over, I guess is is what I'm saying. That it feels like there, um, are, there are twists and turns still to be had here. Uh, and it's, it should be a pretty fun fight to the finish between those two. And maybe agree. even United. We'll see. I agree. The title race isn't over. Uh, this week has this week midweek uh, slate of of a couple of games has not done anything. Uh, Arsenal did what they had to do. They beat Everton, but um, there's definite twists to come. You just feel it. You just know it. Yeah, uh, I would agree. But props to them. They after that little stretch where you started to wonder, uh, maybe maybe it's all coming to a close here. Nope, they have. Uh, they figured it out and they've steadied themselves and uh, yeah, five point gap. Uh, also too, another team who um, I think their demise had been written off and, and uh, 
we had thought, okay, well, this is this is Liverpool season, mid-table, that's what it's going to be. Well, quietly, very quietly, because the, all the noise has been their failings lately, but very quietly, JJ, that, that top four is, it's within reach for them. Uh, yes, Andrew, it is. Um, I'm not going to pretend that this was a good performance uh, by any stretch. By the way, when you wake up and you see it's Wolves again, for the fourth time in like 11 games, you're like, oh. Oh, like hell on earth is like playing Wolves every single day. It's like a just an awful groundhog. And we seem to be playing them way more often than we need to. Um, But yeah, so uh, I, again, I was out doing that little urn for the company that we started, Andrew. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd given up on the Arsenal game. Arsenal were going to win it. And uh, I, I did my bit of business at the post office. And then I dived into the Munro to catch the last 20 minutes of the game. And as I walk in, Darwin Nunes scores, except he doesn't. He's ruled out for, for uh, a foul by Dogo Jota in, in the run-up to it. And But soon after, Virgil van Dijk scores. Mohamed Salah scores. Very good improvisation with his knee. And that's 2-0. And that's all I want to say about it, Andrew. That is okay. all I want to say about it. Liver- like the, the, the Salah goal was good. It was a good run from Simicast. Um, Liverpool deserved their win. They were more on the front foot, but it wasn't a great performance. It was, it was veering towards another stodgy, uh, not good result until um, until the late goals, seventy three and seventy seven. So look, there's nothing to be said about this game. There will be plenty more to be said about Liverpool, um, including their record revenues, but also spiraling. I'm quoting the Athletic here: spiraling uh, wages. Um, yeah, there's something come to a head with Liverpool financially as well. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of money being spent on wages. A lot of contracts re-upped, including the monster Mo Salah contract. And um, you wonder where FSG are in all of this and whether there's new funding to come in. That's the real story from Liverpool this week. Um, but they win today, and that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. By the way, for everyone wondering, JJ is not exaggerating. Uh, January 7th, January 17th, February 4th, and March 1st. That is four matches between Liverpool and Wolves in the last two, in the last two months. Uh, yeah, that does that does not seem like a, a fun kind of hell. That is, those are a lot of kind of. And now the games have not all been blah though. Like today might have been, but there's a two-two in there. There's a three-nil in there. Yeah, um, I know, but it's just I've had enough of them. Just I, I enough get of them, I and we it. don't have them for the rest of the season. So thank God. You think? <laughs> we'll see. Somehow we'll have to play Wolves. Uh, JJ, we should mention before we continue, we had, um, we had our first significant snowfall, uh, just, uh, yesterday. It was really something. And I want to ask you on the scale of, on like the, the wholesome scale on one to 10 with 10 being just like a debaucherous trip to Las Vegas, like the <laughs> ugly side of Las Vegas. If that's right. a 10, where on a scale of one to 10 in wholesomeness does zipping down a hill on a sled Oh, shouting we because that's that was what I did yesterday. And I actually said we did you and you and, and you've been out in Connecticut uh, practically uh, not in Connecticut. I, I'm but, in New York, but there's lots of snow where you are. Lots of it. And lots of five good inches. Hills. It wasn't that much. Lots of good hills for the for the zip in. Yeah. yeah. There's, but I hadn't so... been on a sled in a while. And boy, it's just you can't help it. It's just you're you just are smiling the whole so way is down. Your, is your scale one a scale of wholesomeness? One. Zipping down a hill with your kids, saying "we" is that one? Uh, that's what I want to ask you. And then is there ten... anything? Is there anything more wholesome? And less wholesome is number ten, which is like the pimps and the drugs and the debauchery of of Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, or insert other <laughs> unseemly location. <laughs> Reno, <laughs> Fresno. I don't know. Yeah, Van red Nose. light district and any number of European cities. Uh, you know. <laughs> Right. Okay. I gotcha. The dam. Um, yeah, super wholesome. I, um, so it, it started on Tuesday night and I was at a friend's. I mean, this is the most New York comment I can come up with. I was at a friend's vegan, uh, food tasting experience in Williamsburg. It's like you're right out of a sitcom. <laughs> is that even a real experience? Um, yeah. So I went there uh see my good friends Sean and Joe, uh, Meatless in Manhattan, if you want to follow them for, for good, sustainable food uh, choices. So I turned up there, wanted to support them. Uh, I wasn't going to stay out late. So I go in. I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone. 
Uh, but there's a really kind of cool uh, jazz guitarist there. And so I listened to him for a bit. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, sometimes I hate myself. I mean, I'm but not I'm... making fun of this. Like, I, this is all fine. Like, it's just it's just the confluence of so many kind of like, you know, elite New Yorker. Yeah. Like all of these things kind of smushed into one evening. Uh, it's <laughs> so just I, funny to me. Yeah. So I, um, I went up and I had uh, like vegan gabagool and uh, kind of all the, like it, the food was pretty good. And I, I'm surprised how much vegan Italian meats that I ate, which are obviously they're not meats. They're vegan. Um, Thought it was pretty good. Uh, and uh, then there was over in the corner, there was a um, like a, a, a cannabis infused selection of cookies and things like that. Mm. And the girls was so, was so helpful, like free, by the way, free. <laughs> what the hell? So they um, they gave me a bag, a little bag. I put together a little bag of stuff and brought it home, put it in the freezer. Uh, I got paranoid that I'm going to get busted by some narc. Um, yeah, let's but, talk about it now on a podcast. No, it's fine. It's all legal. What's your problem, man? And I have no problem. You're the one saying that you're paranoid about it. I'm, it that was a joke. It's not what happened. But I don't um, get jokes. I don't see the distinction between joke and reality. But I, I wouldn't have a huge amount of, uh, you know, experience with, um, with drugs of any kind, really, except alcohol. Uh, and uh, I took a, uh, like, she suggested a, a little jelly, a gummy thing. And she says, just have one of those. And it was like 15% TCH. Or, yeah, okay. Seems like a low ratio. And uh, I, I just THC, had a, but continue. THC, excuse me. <laughs> it could have been TLC. I wouldn't have known. Um, and I, I, I said, well, 15% sounded great. And uh, I, so I took that anyways, and I had one glass of wine. And I, I come out anyways. I, I leave a little bit early, and it kind of it's starting to hit me. And the snow is falling, Andrew. So I put my hand in the air, right? There's no one there. I'm stood in the street with the snow falling. And I'm like, wow, what a moment this is. And you walk through the streets of Brooklyn or any part of the city when it snows. It is pretty special. When you're baked, it's even more special. I I feel like sometimes you view yourself as like an actor in a movie. Yeah. Oh, I definitely do. Yeah. thousand percent. Like you hear the music in your head of what would be playing in the scene. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. Everything reminds me of something else. I'm I, I, like, if, if someone was to ask me, who are you? I wouldn't be able to tell you, but I can tell you all the roles in my brain that I play on a daily basis. Yeah. And they're all Wes Anderson movies. No, but this isn't Wes Anderson. What would this would be? I don't know. Maybe it would be Wes Anderson, but the snow is beautiful. I'm coming up the steps of uh, Se- uh seventh Avenue. In Brooklyn, the train station, and the snow is just cascading. It is, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Snow, it, it's annoying to have to deal with, but if you can just kind of like look at it and view it, it's beautiful, very nice. It, I like, I like. Uh, me and my girlfriend have had a tradition. Uh, obviously, you can't do it now because she's pregnant, which is kind of selfish. But uh, whenever it snows, we go to the big hill in Prospect Park and we just sled down it for like an hour or two. We don't say that. We're too oh. cool for that. Oh, I see. But it's amazing. And it, it I it, do the same thing on water slides, by the way. I find myself singing uncontrollably. Like I don't even know what the song is, why I'm doing it. I just am kind of like singing quietly to myself as I'm going down a water slide. You can't help but be happy. It's like when I when my wow. son Jack, like he's seven, and sometimes I'll just see him skip. Like instead of like walking or running, he'll skip from one place to the next. You can't skip and be angry. Like you'll I, never see a person with like a an angry, upset face while skipping. Incorrect. Like that, I, view, I view water slides and sledding the same way. Incorrect. Who, incorrect. Who skips angry? You know those guys in the mosh pits? They do that like kind of skip as they go into it. They're they're angry and they're skipping. <laughs> they're not angry. They're never happier than when they're skipping into a mosh pit. That's know, where they belong. That's that's dem- their home. Yeah, maybe you're right. They, you can't skip and be angry. You yeah, can't go down a, a water slide and be angry. It's a good. It's a very good point that you made. And you can't sled and be angry. No. Um. Let's see. What, what else do we have here? I think. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to get into this now, but I. You saw some things on the internet, did you not? I did see some things on the internet. Can you do the jingle? Of course. I'll check the web. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present to you the internet. I went on the internet this week. Oh, God. And I found this. What did you find? 
We often talk on this podcast, Andrew, about how when politicians get involved in sports, it's ugh, yeah. just don't do it. It's the only thing worse than the waiter getting involved in a joke. Oh, yeah. When the waiter just, now I'm involved. Uh, and just kind of, <laughs> yeah, just get stuck into your conversation. Uh, this week's things I saw on the internet was uh, the roasting of Matt Hancock, who, for some reason, Tory that he is, is pretending to be working class and a Newcastle United supporter. So he turns up and he, he does a TikTok <laughs> video. I don't need to tell. I just Google Matt Hancock. He is one of the the worst politicians. He was the minister for health for uh, the Conservative government during the well, pandemic. Well, let me just ask you, is he not a Newcastle supporter? No. I don't buy it. Not for a second. Not for a second. All right. But but it's in the same way Tony Blair was a Newcastle supporter. So I don't buy any of that. I never do. It's always for some kind of 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 gravitas, some kind of um, trying to get in. Hey, I'm a normal guy. When I was actually, at a Phillies game in 2009 that Joe Biden was at. Yeah. Yeah. He was sitting right behind home plate. Uh, you know, old Joe seems like a sports fan, per se. We beat but the no, Pirates on a walk-off home run. It was quite thrilling. We've roasted, uh, we've roasted Joe just to show we're both sides of the aisle. Uh, we roasted Joe for that video he did with Tyler Adams, which was, oh yeah, oh god in heaven. Hey, Mister President, catch! And he like kicks the ball and it lands on the White House lawn with Biden. Ugh. Yeah, don't do it. No. Um, but anyway, Matt Hancock, he has a jersey on, Newcastle jersey, and he does his TikTok. Shouldn't be on TikTok, but go on. Um, he does his his little. Oh, he's so excited for the game. This is Matt wearing the jersey, excited for the game. So exciting. If you've been a Newcastle fan, we've waited years for this. We haven't been to Wembley for years. This is the most exciting thing that happened since Kevin Keegan. Bring it on. Okay. Uh, Not terrible, but, you know, I like my Geordie, you know, supporters to uh, sound like Geordies and not sound like Eton educated Tories. But there we go. Whatever. And then um, here's Matt after he gets roasted because some eagle eye on the internet had noticed this was a jersey he said he was auctioning for charity in 2020. Ooh. Really gutted about the result last night. I mean, to come so close. A lot of people have been in contact about my shirt that I was wearing last night and they spotted that it's the same one that I auctioned for charity a couple of years ago. And... What happened was the guy who bought it then um, then gave it back to me uh, as a gift, which is really kind of him. I'm very grateful. So I've still got my uh, my beloved signed shirt. Are you, uh, are you buying Matt's excuse there, Andrew? So the alternative being what? That he just never gave it away? That he just kept, the whole, kept it all <laughs> Check out the big brain on bread. Absolutely. What else do you think? They're duplicitous. He thought, I'll hang on to that. Everything is for optics, for show. None of this is real. Boy, the 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 bees to then wear it publicly. Like, that's the, o- the only thing that I could lean on in his defense of this is that I just can't imagine the lack of total self-awareness to say you've given a jersey away and then you're openly wearing it afterwards like that's the only the only thing that makes me think that like that his story is true here because i just can't imagine somebody (laughs) being like that but i guess if anyone could it's it's generally politicians yeah it it reminds me of one of my favorite episodes from what was the biggest comedy in in the 90s uh it's an irish comedy but it was huge in britain it was called father ted and uh, in, in this in this scene um They've basically they've they're trying to rig a raffle of a car so it goes back <laughs> to them so that they win the car that they're supposed to be giving to the general public. And uh, when you're about to do a raffle that's rigged, how about opening with this line? And now let's get on to the important stuff, the raffle. Uh, the last raffle I was at was very interesting because the people who ran the raffle actually won it. So it's not unusual for that to happen. <laughs> Dude, that is nothing suspicious there at all. Dude, that is a great show. Honestly, it's there's some kind of particularities that are like very Irish, but you should watch that. You would love that. Where would one find that? Uh, It's on. I think it's on Amazon Prime and it's free on Amazon Prime. Oh, Father Ted. I do love free. You do love free. 
absolutely. And that was just the quick things that I saw on the internet. I love the things that you see on the internet. That's great. People love the jingle more than anything. I'd say people press repeat on the jingle, which is a work of art by you. Oh, wow. That's very nice. Probably the last great thing you did at ESPN. Um, Yeah, it might be. It might be. It'll be immortalized. They they hung a banner for it in our uh, our studio. Um, JJ, we wanted to mention some sad news as a... Oh my goodness! I mean, one of the one of the broadcasting legends of all time, an icon in English football, John Motson, passed away. Yeah, at the end of last week on Thursday, um, I, unbelievable. Uh, the voice of English football. It's it's in his five decades, he just became synonymous with the English football team, the national team, with big tournaments, with match of the day, the Premier League. He was. He was a voice that was instantly recognizable. And again, it's easy to get into this kind of mawkish sentimentality when people pass away, but not with him. It's, it, he was the soundtrack to, to people's lives. I had so many friends text me and say, I can't believe Matson's dead. I cannot believe it. Well, I think because, it's because of how many generations his voice spanned. Right. And, and you know, from like my father, my uncle's, all the way through to to me and people beyond. I mean, he only retired in 2018, um, so it's it's really not that long ago. He was 77. Um, he'd spent the night before in his local bar watching football, which was kind of kind of poetic if if he's going to go. Um, but he was a wonderful, warm person. I was listening to Martin Tyler, another absolute giant of of broadcasting. But he would have been, in terms of your rankings. He would have been well down the pecking order from from Matson, as famous as Tyler is. But he remembers wow. the. He's younger than Matson, so he took advice from John Matson coming up, and um, and he reminded me of something. And I don't know if this has happened in American sport, but the BBC basically had two rivals going head for head for the big games. They had John Matson and Barry Davies, and one would get one FA Cup final, the other would get a semi-final, a World Cup final. Now, Matson often mostly got the World Cup finals and the big, big games. Mm-hmm. But there was this battle between the two. And Martin Tyler was talking about how clever it was of the BBC to do this because they had the two best commentators in English football and they were on their channel, but they kept it competitive. And they like neither of them went to either ITV or BBC, or excuse me, to ITV or, or, Rivals, or Sky. They stuck with the BBC. Uh, which is kind of amazing. I don't know, has there been a commentator battle or a... Not, not that they were... Not that I can think of on the same network. Right. Um, I mean, I guess it would be, like, what you're describing would almost be as though if, like, Joe Buck and Al Michaels were both on Fox. Right. You know, it, it would... Something like that, maybe. I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, the NBA uh, in the 90s. It was mostly Marv Albert, but then you had a couple years on NBC when it became Bob Costas. Um so yeah, I don't know. That that is rare though to have like the two most prominent voices of a sport on the same network. And for them for neither of them to go away. Like to yeah. another and they could have. Um so I just wanted to reflect on it. Uh, John Matson had some words on the role of a commentator and he kind of succinctly put it together. Uh I found this uh, on the Guardian website. You've got to have a decent voice. Uh, you've got to have a sense of timing. You've got to know when to talk and when not to talk. And I think you've got to try and get across essentially what the viewer can't experience at home, which is the excitement in the crowd, uh, something that you might spot, you know, which the cameras are just about to reach that still hasn't become apparent. You are the eyes and the ears of the viewer. You know, if I wasn't commentating on, on a Saturday or a Sunday, I don't quite know what else I'd be doing. I like, JJ, that he mentions there specifically um, the importance of, having the right voice because i I do feel like sometimes broadcasters downplay that a little bit because that's in some ways i'm trying to think of the right way to put this genetically uh, yeah like like that's not really like that's not like i perfected my craft i worked at it like that's sort of a thing that like you kind of either have it or you don't and there's nothing you can really do about it i do like that he acknowledges that because his voice is so identifiable and you know, when you listen to highlights of his from over the many, many years that he called games, he's sort of like Vin Scully in the way that when I hear a Vin Scully highlight from the 60s and I hear a Vin Scully highlight from yes. 2018, it's the same voice. 
Yeah. The voice doesn't change in all of that span of time. And I felt like John Motson is the same way. His highlights, like I was going back and watching highlights, his, you know, his call of uh, Ricky Villa's goal for Tottenham against Manchester city in 1981. It sounds exactly like his call of David Beckham's free kick against Greece in 01. And then like all of his calls up through, you know, in the last few years, like his, the, the tone of his voice has been the same all throughout. It's, it's interesting. And I'm, I'm glad that he acknowledges that because that is a huge part of what makes a broadcaster great or not. Yeah, it, it it really does. And it's, again, like you say, it's kind of hard to talk about because you're getting into the area of something that you didn't really develop. It was something, well, you developed it, but it was not in, under your control. Um, I love the way he would get into the high register. And uh, I love how he was both surprised and overwhelmed as everybody was when Michael Owen put England 1-0 up against Brazil in the World Cup quarterfinal in uh, South Korea and Japan World Cup in 2002. I think this is a, I had a, there was a number of, of, of games I could have gone to, but I thought I'd go to England and uh, this is a, this is a heck of a Matson-esque call. Heskey, Owen's sprinting away to the left here against Lucio. Michael Owen for England, it's a great chance and he scored! Michael Owen! Against Brazil in the World Cup in the 23rd minute. England are in front. Yeah. Oh. I mean, there was su- enough surprise in his voice. You know, it was so natural. It's why it's important for play-by-play announcers to not go to that well too often. Because you need to you need to trust them in like recognizing the magnitude of a moment. And so if you have an announcer who's like going to those decibels and, and, and having his voice crack or whatever in that kind of way too frequently, then like the moment there's not much differentiation between, uh, you know, a mid December Premier League goal versus a goal to put England up against Brazil in a world cup. Like, so his, his ability to kind of like to, to do that, it's genuine. Um, and I, th- I think you know Martin Tyler is much that way as well, um, almost to a fault. <laughs> I think in some people's eyes, some people probably wish he would go to that well maybe a little bit more often. But when he does, you recognize, oh, this is like he—they're he, these these great broadcasters can almost guide you into understanding just how important what you're seeing is. And that's I think Matson was was great with that. I think that clip there of that goal against Brazil is a is a great example of it. Yeah, a true legend of the game and. Um... And someone who's passing makes us reflect on on our own lives in the decades past ourselves, and and makes us sad, sad that um, sad that we can see see our heroes leave us. Yeah, um, and he uh, unquestionably a legend, a legend of the sport, and the uh, he provided the soundtrack to so many so many great moments. John Matson, very sad, uh, very sad to uh, to see him leave us. That's uh, a shame. Um, JJ, do you have anything else this that week? Not, that is me. That's me, Andrew. I think that's uh, that's about all I got as well. Uh, it's another heading for another uh, fascinating weekend in the league as uh, this, like we said, this title chase is taking shape. Manchester City have Newcastle. They kick the weekend off 7.30 in the morning. Uh, that one at the Etihad and then Arsenal against Bournemouth. So it's a tricky one for City and one where, you know, it's dangerous to play this game, but one where you would kind of expect to see three points on the board for Arsenal. So who knows? We could be leaving the weekend with a five-point gap that much uh, that much greater. The other game that I'll definitely have an eye on this weekend, JJ, Chelsea hosting Leeds. Uh, we've entered that stretch now that I talked about the other day where Graham Potter, he's got four fixtures coming up before the international break, three of which are ones that you would expect Chelsea to to win, quite frankly. The other one, they're trailing Borussia Dortmund by a goal in the Champions League, but the next the the return fixture is coming up at Stamford Bridge. Um, so like this this begins that stretch for Potter where he's got to turn it around. I really think that we're in it now. Uh, and it begins at home for them against Leeds. Uh, so it's again, if that's not three points, you just start you just start wondering, well, when are when is it gonna happen for him? And, and let's not forget uh, Liverpool entertain. Manchester United on Sunday at 11.30. And just cast your minds back to the run into that last time they met in the league, uh, back at the start of the season, where basically people were worried. What were 
Liverpool going to do to Manchester United? United coming off the run that they'd had, conceding four at Brentford, losing the opening game to Brighton at home. Now think of how people are considering this fixture as we go yeah. into Sunday. Talk about role reversal. Yep. Uh, yeah, that should be a fascinating one. That one's on Sunday. And JJ, while uh, I should I should comfort you, um, while while Liverpool may not have Wolves this weekend, you can take some comfort in knowing that Tottenham do. Uh, so at least somebody on this podcast will will have the the full Wolves experience this weekend. Yeah, it was funny. Just a quick one from that game. There, a shot panned to Julian Lopetegui, the Wolves manager on the sideline, and he had his head in his hands for far too long. I'm like, what's upsetting you so much? So maybe he's feeling the same way about about Wolves that everybody else is. Maybe, maybe. Um, that's about all I got, my friend. No, that's me too. Well, hey, then I guess there's nothing left to do but to uh, to say to you, I say. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, uh, check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, man. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.